0: I'm Billy Branham. This is Closer Look. Vaping or electronic cigarettes hit the American market fairly recently around 2006. And in the short time since then, the habit touted as better than smoking has become equally controversial. Let's dig deeper. Some health experts believe vaping is a great way to quit smoking traditional cigarettes. Others point to an alarming rise in lung disease, especially among teenage vapors. I'm joined by Dr. Michael Blaha, Director of Clinical Research at the Johns Hopkins Chickeroni Center for the Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease, and Linda Richter, Director of Policy Research and Analysis with Center on Addiction. Linda, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right in and ask the big important question, is vaping a good way for people to quit smoking cigarettes?
1: Well, that was the original intention, and I think people had thought so initially and for a while after, but over the past couple of years, pretty strong and consistent evidence has emerged showing that it is not a particularly safe or reliable way to quit smoking. So for most people, we have been finding that vaping can actually make it more difficult to quit smoking. Most of the people who vape in order to quit smoking end up becoming what's called dual users, meaning that they smoke in places and situations where they can, and they end up vaping in places and situations where smoking is not allowed or is impossible Um, And what happens is dual users, those who are doing both, actually ingest more nicotine and other potentially toxic chemicals than people who either only vape or only smoke. And since nicotine is the ingredient that is addictive, ingesting more of it uh,
0: through vaping perpetuates the addiction rather than ends it. And Dr. Blaha, first of all, thank you so much for your time to talk today.
2: My pleasure to be here.
0: Same question for you. Is vaping a good way for people to quit smoking cigarettes?
2: Oh, that's a complicated question. Vaping is definitely not the preferred way to get people to quit smoking cigarettes. But let's take a step back and, of course, confirm that absolutely it's one of the healthiest things that you can do is to quit smoking cigarettes. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of preventable illness, cardiovascular illness in the world and in the United States. And And I've had patients, of course, who've had success many different ways, including some that managed to quit cold turkey. But the right way to start smoking cessation was with FDA-approved medications, which include nicotine replacement therapies. And there's two other medications that can augment nicotine replacement in terms of getting people to quit smoking. That's where we should start. And to stress that vaping is not an FDA-approved alternative to smoking for cessation. That being said... There is evidence that vaping can improve smoking cessation rates over other strategies in large randomized control trials. So in some patients, and that is adult patients who are a nicotine addiction, vaping does work. There's some downsides to it, of course, too. Unfortunately, in those trials, many patients who fail to quit smoking become dual users, of both cigarettes and vaping. And some patients who do quit smoking with vaping become long-term vapers, so they're not free of their nicotine addiction. But in select patients, I certainly have had many patients who've been successful quitting with vaping, but it is by no means the first line treatment.
0: Well, outside of that nicotine that you brought up, what other health effects can vaping have on your body?
2: Yes, yeah, so this is an active area of research, of course, and not that much is known yet because we just don't have long-term data on e-cigarette users, uh, vapors at this time. However, emerging stories are coming out on potential pulmonary health effects and cardiovascular health effects. Of course, we're probably all familiar with these stories in the news media of patients having acute lung injury after vaping. In this case, vaping probably THC, containing products, not your conventional over-the-counter nicotine-based products, but that's a suggestion that vaping, oils, and other solvents and things can cause acute lung injury. We have evidence from our lab that in cross-sectional surveys that vaping is associated with greater incidence or at least prevalence of asthma and other chronic lung diseases. And There's also some signals that vaping can have cardiovascular harm too. can raise blood pressure, increase the sympathetic nervous system, cause what we call endothelial dysfunction, abnormal behavior of the blood vessels. And in our surveys, we do see that e-cigarette users report more cardiovascular disease than non-users. So there's a suggestion there that there's more cardiovascular harm for vaping too.
0: There are products out there, e-cigarette products that have no nicotine in them. Is that something that might be an alternative that might be safer?
2: nicotine really isn't the main thing that causes health effects from electronic cigarettes nicotine is what mediates the addiction so it certainly does mediate the mental health effects but as far as the pulmonary and the cardiovascular effects really those are probably mediated by other things in electronic cigarette vapor which include trace heavy metal exposure the solvents used the flavors used and of course tobacco metabolites, which are prevalent in e-cigarette vapor, Uh, some of the same ones that are in combustible cigarette smoke. So it's really not just the nicotine that causes the cardiovascular and pulmonary harm. So number one, of course, the nicotine is what helps certain folks quit smoking, and the nicotine may not be the only thing that causes the harm. So nicotine-free products by no means are safe.
0: This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham, and we're digging into addiction and health risks of vaping. I'm talking with Linda Richter with Center on Addiction and Dr. Michael Blaha. We've already discussed vaping as a method to quit smoking. But Linda, I've heard doctors, even people listening right now who say e-cigarettes can save lives. Do you believe that's true? I certainly believe that's probably true
1: for people who have been able to completely give up cigarette smoking due to vaping. And there are people who have done so. Like I said before, cigarette smoking is just a health travesty. It It just causes close to a half a million deaths a year countless illnesses and diseases. So anything that kind of takes away some of those risks as sure, that that's great. And vaping does not produce the tobacco smoke and doesn't have the tar and doesn't have some of the chemicals and ingredients in them that uh, cigarettes do. So yes, yeah, if there's a smoker who is able to completely switch over to vaping, they maintain their vaping for the rest of their life because that is hard to quit. But that probably still is, as far as what we know right now, better than smoking cigarettes. However, that's a small percent of those who smoke. Many, as I said earlier, who smoke end up becoming dual users using both the products and therefore perpetuating their nicotine addiction and having a harder time quitting. We also know that although it seems that it's healthier overall or less unhealthy, I would say, than cigarettes, kind of daily we're finding new and new research or evidence of the harmful health effects that vaping has. So on the respiratory function, on cardiovascular function, on immune functioning, there's a lot of physiological effects that we're finding, some of which are the same as what you see in cigarettes and some of which are different because the chemical compositions are somewhat different between the two types of products and because it's... new and the research is still kind of emerging, we don't yet know the long-term health effects of vaping. You're inhaling things directly into the lungs, some of which, you know, could be safe to eat but are not safe to inhale into your lungs. And we're seeing some of those kind of effects now with the recent state of illnesses related to like serious respiratory illness and deaths associated with vaping. So there's just a lot of unknowns right now. But that said, I know there are people who are long-term cigarette smokers who were able to switch to vaping. Anything that gets you away from smoking cigarettes, sure, that's better
0: than smoking cigarettes. So I, I, I wouldn't dispute that. And Dr. Blaha, if there's someone listening that's an ex-smoker and is vaping, and they're hearing this and thinking, well, it's still safer than cigarettes. What would you say to them?
2: Yeah, it's tricky. So, and I certainly get this from some of my patients. And, and it, like I said, if you're an adult smoker and you've exhausted other alternatives for quitting smoking, vaping is one potential alternative with a lot of drawbacks, but it's certainly better than having a, a chronic smoking habit, but it's not safe. Uh, and it's certainly not safe compared to doing nothing at all, which of course is a discussion for young kids. So it's really important to distinguish between adult use in smokers from use in kids and in other young adults who don't smoke. So, so really, that's where this complexity comes from. And you hear on the news, all of these discussions about electronic cigarettes. And this is why this issue has become so complicated because of the different ways these are being used by different people. So if someone's listening and says, gosh, I quit using electronic cigarettes, they were fantastic for me. And now I'm using nothing at all that's a good outcome. If you quit smoking using electronic cigarettes and you're still an electronic cigarette user, we could debate whether you've had a good health outcome. If you've tried to use e-cigarettes and you're now using both cigarettes and e-cigarettes, that's almost for sure a negative health outcome. And now we're being exposed to multiple different products rather than just the original smoking products. So this is all very complicated and trying to work out the data here and provide data to regulators and lawmakers alike to try to to approach these in a reasonable way. But certainly, uh, I think everyone's been taken aback and taken by storm by the epidemic use in young people. And that's what I'm most concerned about. And we're describing right now trends in use in young folks. And we're seeing more use, more daily use, and more use amongst people who've never tried a tobacco product before. And that's what's most concerning to me.
0: I feel like you go out there, e-cigarettes are more socially acceptable over smoking cigarettes. Do you feel that that's the case as well? Well,
1: certainly that that really helped push it along. We got into the point recently for uh, the just general public view of smoking to be very negative, especially among young people. I mean, the rates of smoking among young people has gotten very, very low. And there was certainly a general perception among young people that it's kind of gross and it's certainly not cool and smells nasty. And it has these. we basically had a public health success in convincing young people that smoking is really not the way to go what's happened since vaping came on the market it was really marketed as this kind of cool safe alternative the health effects were not known initially and then they were sort of not really discussed for a while once they started becoming known And there was a tremendous marketing effort by the companies to kind of portray them as very cool and relatively harmless. You know, a whole generation of kids are now hooked on these products and addicted to nicotine. So, um, yeah, there were strong marketing efforts to make them appear really less harmful than cigarettes. And in certain ways, they are probably less harmful than cigarettes. But, you know, I like to say cigarettes are literally one of the most harmful things you can use period. So kind of saying that something's a little less harmful than that is not really a resounding cry for, oh, how great it is. It's still quite risky.
0: This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham discussing vaping with Linda Richter with Center on Addiction and Dr. Michael Blaha from the Johns Hopkins Chicaroni Center. I think the perception out there, especially with smokers, is that vaping is not considered addictive. So what does make it addictive?
1: Vaping is very certainly addictive. Um, Nearly just about all vaping products contain nicotine. Research shows over 99% actually, even those that say that they do not contain nicotine typically do contain nicotine. Nicotine is the ingredient that leads to addiction. It's actually a very highly addictive drug many of the vaping products especially things like Juul the more you know the kind of newer products that are those small discreet kind of tech looking versions of it that are very popular with kids have extremely high doses of nicotine estimates are that one pod or cartridge on those kind of vaping products has the equivalent amount of nicotine to a pack of cigarettes or more and they also have a certain formulation of the nicotine that makes it much more easy to sort of inhale and ingest and um, enter the bloodstream. It kind of smooths the taste, takes away some of the harshness of ingesting nicotine, so making it easier to kind of inhale and take in more of it, um, which all increases its addictive potential. Probably the other part of why vaping tends to produce addiction quite quickly actually is because it's so discreet and doesn't produce strong odor and a big puff of smoke, people tend to do it frequently throughout the day and in many, many places where smoking is not allowed. So it's just happening more frequently than a smoker would smoke a cigarette And frequency of ingesting nicotine is one of the things that um, increases the risk of addiction as well.
0: Now, I've seen people who will take the 10 minutes to smoke a cigarette, and I've seen the people who vape that only take one or two inhales. Is there a difference between that? Kind
1: of apples to oranges to compare the two in certain ways, because just the mechanisms by which the products are used differs, as you just said. But typically someone who is vaping, they may take a puff or two um, and be done with it, but they will probably do that more frequently. Throughout the day, because again, cigarette smoking is not allowed in a lot of places, so you kind of have to step outside of your workplace or outside of the home or in order to do it. And um, even though vaping is not allowed in a lot of indoor places as well, because it's kind of discreet and easy to use and doesn't produce a discernible odor, people do do it more frequently. And again, you know, how addictive a certain behavior is in relation to smoking or vaping depends on how deeply the person inhales, how frequently, the dose of nicotine and, and and other factors. So it's not a direct comparison, but, you know, a lot of my research and work focuses on kids uh, who are vaping, which is really a great concern, I'm sure we'll talk about. You know, for them, they're just, you know, reports of doing it literally throughout the day constantly, as opposed to a kid who might be smoking that where there's just very limited opportunities to do that.
0: Now, do our bodies understand the difference or our brains know the difference between smoking a cigarette versus a vaping device? Can you get addicted differently that way?
1: So when it comes to uh, how the brain responds in terms of addiction, nicotine is nicotine. And as I said, you know, one of the main differences in some of the products, the vaping products is the formulation of the nicotine, which makes it more easy to absorb uh, into the lungs and therefore into the bloodstream and therefore has a stronger, quick effect on the brain. However, nicotine is nicotine to the brain. So in terms of addiction, I think it's fairly similar. There are differences between cigarettes and vaping devices that affect people in other ways in terms of other chemicals and the flavorings and all that sort of stuff that affects, you know, they have different physiological effects. But in terms of the brain and addiction, it's the nicotine that matters. That's pretty much the same in both.
0: We've been hearing a lot about the vaping-related deaths, and I think it kind of shocked some ex-smokers who picked up e-cigarettes. And the CDC says maybe vitamin E acetate is causing this. What do you know about that?
2: It's very important to distinguish the chronic health effects of electronic cigarettes from these acute health effects of what I'll call alternative use of these products one of the catches as a scientist in this area is it's very difficult to study electronic cigarette use because unlike cigarettes, which are pretty consistent across brands and parts of the world, electronic cigarettes can take on so many forms and can be modified by the user. So there can be so many different products from things like pens to vaping tanks. You can adjust the voltage. You can adjust the uh, liquid that you put in the chamber before you vape it and also you can vape non nicotine related things, including, of course, THC or marijuana containing products. So, the chronic health effects of electronic cigarettes that I was mentioning really pertain to the standard nicotine containing liquids that you can get over the counter, for example, at a drug store, a convenience store. Now, these instances of acute lung injury are linked to alternative use of electronic cigarette products, and that means that buying from a black market vendor or a uh, vape shop, et cetera, A marijuana or THC containing liquid that's been, you know, produced by uh, maybe a, a local group or or someone that certainly may not have the same standards that that others do in, in manufacturing the liquid. And the vitamin E acetate that's used to help aerosolize that THC in the marijuana appears to be one part of what's linked to these acute lung injury cases. So these, these really come from alternative use of these e-cigarette products. But I'll tell you, that's very common. It's very common for people to say that they're trying a variety of different juices, they're buying a variety of different products, they're using things in ways that weren't necessarily intended for these devices to be used. And it really looks like that is what's linked to these acute lung injury cases at this time.
0: This is Closer Look. I'm Billy Branham. We've already talked about vaping as a method to quit smoking with more to come about the safety of e-cigarettes. I'm joined by Dr. Michael Blaha from the Johns Hopkins Chickeroni Center and Linda Richter with Center on Addiction. Now, are there different ways, Linda, that we can get addicted to smoking or vaping outside of the nicotine part?
1: So, you know, nicotine really is the main driver of of the addiction. However, um, when it comes to smoking, vaping, or any kind of substance use, drinking, there are various kinds of triggers or environmental cues that make somebody more or less likely to engage in the behavior. So some people find that when they're around certain people, they're more likely to smoke, vape, or use whatever substance that they like, um, or in certain environments when they're under certain kinds of stress or pressure, you know, so there are those kind of individual differences that make somebody more likely to pick up one of these products and use them. You know, some people get, I think the word addictive is not quite right here, but very used used to the habit of kind of having something in their mouth or making that movement, the hand going to the mouth and moving away from it or the puffing. So all of that could become sort of ritualistic and habitual that people could get very used to and those are hard habits to break. So we've, you know, heard of cases where someone is trying to quit vaping where they're given advice, you know, along the lines of someone who's trying to quit smoking, which is maybe chew gum or maybe, you know, carry a bottle of water around so that you can continue putting something in your mouth regularly that's not going to harm you as much or, you know, be careful who you hang out with if you find that certain people always sort of trigger this impulse to use a product and maybe choose to hang out with them a little bit less. So there are environmental cues that kind of do increase the odds that someone's going to continue using a product even when they don't want to. And those are things that if you are trying to quit smoking or quit vaping, you know, in terms of counseling or, or therapy, somebody can help you figure those cues out and help you find ways to avoid them or cope better with the stresses or anxieties that might kind of lead you to pick up a product like that and use it.
0: You kind of touched on the increase of teenagers that are becoming addicted to vaping. Is age a factor in becoming addicted? Meaning, could it be easier for the younger set to actually pick this up or does it matter?
1: Yeah, so we're finding that age is a tremendous factor here. Just in general, across the board, when it comes to any addictive substance, teenagers or young people are much more susceptible to developing an addiction than an adult, which is why we kind of have those age limits on smoking and drinking, as we know, the human brain continues to develop and undergo really dramatic development well into somebody's 20s. Um, into early adulthood, and during that time of development, the brain is actually quite vulnerable to the effects of any addictive product, and that happens simultaneously to a time when kids are very into taking risks and not really considering consequences as much, and they're kind of more impulsive, and their decision-making is not as developed as it is for an adult, so you have that mix of higher impulsivity and risk-taking with the actual physiological increased risk of an addictive product on the brain because it literally changes the structure and function of the brain and can produce long-term changes like that. And you really have like a serious mix of risks, essentially, for a younger person to be affected by an addictive substance as compared to an adult. We also know that the earlier somebody starts smoking or vaping or using really any addictive product again, uh, their risk of becoming addicted is much, much higher than it is for adults. We also know that the effects, aside from addiction, are stronger for teenagers and young adults in terms of the effects on their attention and their memory and their ability to learn, their academic performance, emotional regulation. All these things are developing in the teenage brain. And when you add an addictive substance to the mix that has effects on those areas of the brain that are responsible for those functions, you're essentially messing with the person's ability to develop in the most optimal way.
0: And there's been a lot of talk about the flavors and people say they're targeting teenagers. Does that play a role in getting teenagers addicted? It certainly seems to be that way.
1: So we know that there are thousands and thousands of different types of flavors that these products come in with names that would just, there is no way anyone could be convinced that those are names of flavors that are meant to appeal to uh, adult smokers. You know, you have things like unicorn vomit and bubble gum and cotton candy. I mean, it just is a full range of Silly and delicious-sounding, child-oriented flavor. So, so those are the names. Uh, they come in packaging that kind of resembles, more than resembles, really mimics, you know, well-known candy products. And they taste good. I mean, they have the flavors are good. And study after study shows that young people report flavors as one of the main reasons for why they choose to vape. That's why there is an intense debate in local, state, and federal government, you know, about whether flavored products should be banned. The evidence seems to suggest strongly that flavors are very strong, very appealing to young people, and certainly play a significant role in their interest in vaping and in their continued use of these products the argument in terms of protecting the health of young people is in favor of banning flavored products. There are those who say that for adults, some of them do like the flavors. And if they want to choose to vape in order to help them quit smoking or cut back on smoking, they should have that option as well. Um, And that's the public health debate that's going on right now. Like, To what extent are we prioritizing helping some smokers potentially quit using these products or cut back on smoking versus, you know, what we're seeing is these tremendous increases in the number of fairly young kids who have never smoked a cigarette, really probably never would have, who are now addicted to nicotine because they're very attracted to the vaping products in large part due to the flavors.
0: Is there a greater health risk for younger vapors? You've hit on the number one
2: problem here. If only adults who smoked cigarettes used e-cigarettes, we would have a different discussion. We would say, well, maybe there is a potential small role for vaping for cigarette smoking cessation in adults who smoke, if that's for the only people who are using these devices. And that's certainly what people thought about when these devices were first coming on the market, that maybe there was a role there. And maybe not unsurprisingly, what's happened, of course, is that a majority of users have now turned into young people. And many of those users never used a tobacco product before. So therefore, e-cigarettes or vaping products are becoming the first tobacco product for many young people who are not smokers. And that's what's scary. So... It's not just that adult smokers are using these products. People who've never smoked are using these products, particularly young people and teenagers who've never smoked are using these products. So there's incredible concern there because, of course, these products are not fully safe. While we could debate whether they're safer than combustible cigarettes, they're certainly more harmful than doing nothing at all. So we're exposing teenagers, young folks, young adults to e-cigarette vapor that might be causing long-term harm at a young vulnerable age. And we do know that young people who use electronic cigarettes are at increased risk of progressing on to using other illicit drugs or becoming combustible cigarette smokers later in life based on their nicotine addiction. So these young people are at risk for, for a variety of bad outcomes from both these cigarettes as well as transitioning to other products. And that's really where this public health crisis is coming from. And these also these young kids are the, the ones that tend to use the electronic cigarettes in alternative ways as well. That's really where this great concern is coming from. How do you balance potential small benefit of electronic cigarettes from a massive uh, potential harm of e cigarettes in a, in a regulatory framework? So, so this is, you hit on the most important part of this discussion and we do have evidence from our group that shows that young people who use electronic cigarettes are much more likely to report depression and uh, emotional unwellness than people who don't use electronic cigarettes and all that's quite concerning
0: so why is it so difficult to quit smoking and
1: vaping it could be really quite difficult again because of the high doses of nicotine that most vaping products contain What happened recently is that the manufacturers of these products have seen the rate at which people are becoming addicted to them, and these products are not well regulated at this time by the government. So what you're seeing is almost like what they call an arms race to increase the nicotine doses in these products higher and higher and higher to just hook people on their brands. Um, so again, nicotine is the main ingredient that gets people addicted. So even someone who manages to quit smoking by replacing tobacco cigarettes with vaping products, they end up becoming addicted to vaping and find quitting that very difficult. So it's the nicotine and it's also the frequency with which people can use it. It's discreet. It's easy to hide. It's easy to kind of just take a quick Puff under your sweatshirt if you're a kid or your hood or whatever, and people don't even know about it. And continuously ingesting the nicotine increases the addictive potential of it. It all just kind of makes it more difficult to quit, given that. Now, when it comes to kids, there are kids who have been vaping and want to quit. And because this trend is so new and the changes are so rapid, we really don't have great research yet on what exactly is helpful to kids in terms of quitting. So, you know, a lot of the smoking cessation products like nicotine replacement therapies and certain medications are not actually approved for use in young people. There are potential side effects, so, and, and they don't necessarily work the same way as they do for quitting smoking cigarettes because there are some differences between the two types of products. So the research is sort of furiously going on right now to kind of figure out, well, how can we help these kids? who are now addicted to nicotine through vaping. What can we do? There's therapy. There are some people who do say that you can use some versions of nicotine replacement therapy, like the patches and the lozenges and that sort of thing. There are some people trying, you know, certain doses of the medications that might work. But again, it's really getting the public health community very frustrated because there's this whole population in need of help that we
0: just don't have great treatments for at this point. Linda, thank you so much for the information on addiction and vaping today. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you as well, Dr. Blaha.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: Thank you again to my guests, Linda Richter and Dr. Michael Blaha. If you want more information about what we talked about today, go to their websites, centeronaddiction.org or hopkinsmedicine.org and search for vaping.